Pastor Ed Taylor speaks of the danger of consuming alcohol or taking drugs. Alcohol can really wipe a person out. It's pretty clear from the Bible we're not to be drunk with wine. We could add as well, and I think it's important not to be high on pot or to be under the influence even of some uh, prescription-type drugs that, that are taking you out of reality. Paul says being drunk leads to dissipation or losing your senses or being out of control. You'll make mistakes. You will sin under the influence. Instead, he says, if you want to be overcome by something, if you want to lose your natural senses, if you want to relax after a hard day at work, you want to wind down, here's the way to do it. Here's what you really need. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Rest in the Lord. This is amazing grace. We've all heard the stories of mighty men and women who have fallen into sin. Perhaps it was a well-known pastor that committed sexual sin and was removed from a position of leadership. It saddened our hearts, and we may wonder at times, how did it happen? If we're not careful, it can easily happen to us. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll see David makes a series of very bad decisions and things go from bad to worse. We'll set out to learn from a pitiful plot of a godly man as Pastor Ed Taylor revisits 2 Samuel chapter 11. Chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 11. Studying through the first few verses last time, we learned that it was time for kings to go to war David made the decision to stay back. In verse 1, it says, It came to pass in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to war or to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David, verse 3, sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, so she sent and told David, and said, I am with child. David is around 50 years of age at this time, and instead of leading his troops engaged in battle, confronting the enemy, he's taking a break. And it's during this break that he goes out on his roof and sees this beautiful woman, Bathsheba. He calls for her and commits adultery with her. The result of this adulterous, sinful liaison ends up being a pregnancy. And he could have stopped there when he received word in verse 5 that she was pregnant. He could have stopped and just dealt with the reality of the consequences for where, where it was. And we looked last time, and it's important that you grab the study and study these together, but we looked last time that he certainly could have stopped much earlier. 
He could have ended this so much earlier. And we looked at how sin works in our lives from James' perspective and how it worked in David's life. It's the same across the board. But now that he's at this point in verse 5, he could have stopped. Psalm 51 could have been right here between verses 5 and 6. And we'll get into Psalm 51 in a later study. His psalm of repentance could have been right here. We would have never had chapter 12. As those of you that have read ahead, you know chapter 12 is Nathan coming to him with a word from the Lord by which he repents. But he doesn't. In verse 6 says, David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah had come, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. At King David's command, he calls for Bathsheba's husband to come back in from the war. And he does. He shares some small talk with Uriah, never letting on any issues happening uh, with his wife and happened with his wife. He took advantage of his wife. He sinned with his wife. He sinned against Uriah. No, no comments there. He just small talk. Then he sends Uriah home and he's hoping that they would have sex. And that would certainly solve his problem, wouldn't it? Because of the timing of this sexual encounter between him and his wife would be just around the time that she now declares that she's pregnant. And as they look at the timing of it all, it would be very clear that Uriah could easily take responsibility and would want to take responsibility for the baby in his wife's womb. But verse 9 actually shows the integrity of Uriah. Uriah has more integrity right now than King David because as he goes home, he slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and didn't go down to his house. Verse 10. So when, David told, when they told David saying Uriah didn't go, go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come? Uh, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents and my Lord, Joab and his servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. And when he's asked, why didn't you go home? He said, look, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. My men are out in the battlefield. You have the ark here. People are fighting and losing their lives. And he's not going home to have a night of luxury with his wife while his comrades are out in the battle. He's going to stick with them even though he's not with them. He's going to stick with them. You could get that picture that Uriah was a, a lot like the armor bearer of Jonathan. The kind of guy that you just know has your back. That even when he's not there, he's got your back. A man of integrity. And in compared to David right now, his star shines. So here again, we have another opportunity for David to see that his plans will not succeed. Your plan to cover your sin will not succeed. That's just a word from the Lord to those listening in. Whether you're planning it right now or it's coming up ahead and it comes as a seed of warning to us all, your plan to cover your sin will not succeed. It simply will not succeed in any form and any fashion. David knows this. David also being a man of integrity, we're getting a glimpse of his life at a significant lapse of faith, a significant lapse of integrity. He could have stopped once again and see, man, I'm dealing, I mean, I've really sinned against a righteous man. 
I've sinned against a righteous God. I've sinned against a righteous man. He could have stopped again. Now, if he chose to stop anywhere along the way, the Bible has a word for that. The Bible calls that repentance. David at any time could have repented. There's no need to be afraid of a Bible word like repentance. It's a good word. It leads to great things. When you're caught up in sin, when you're caught up in deception, when you're caught, period, when the Holy Spirit convicts you or you're caught through your circumstances, it's wise to repent with godly sorrow, changing your behavior. Repentance always follows with a change of behavior. Repentance is not merely words. Words are so cheap and so easy to come out of our mouths. Repentance, a true repentance, always leads to a change of action. It's the fruit, what would be called the fruit of repentance. The good fruit of repentance is change. The rotten fruit of fake repentance is you say you're sorry and you keep on doing the same thing. But instead of repenting, beginning in chapter 12, David invites Uriah to stay with him, notice. Then David said to Uriah, wait here today also and tomorrow, and I'll let you depart. And so when David, Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and he drank before him and he made him drunk. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with his servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. David invites Uriah to his house to drink. David has every intention of getting Uriah drunk because David knows something in his scheming, diabolical plans. He recognizes that alcohol is a very dangerous drug. He recognizes that people change under the influence of alcohol. He knows that. He knows that back thousands of years ago. David understood that alcohol lowers the resistance of a person's moral compass. David knows, and I I suspect that many of you listening in, you also know I'm not sharing new news with you. It's very unfortunate that some of us know by example, by experience. We don't need David to tell us this. We don't need anyone to tell us this. But David knows that people do things. They change while they're under the influence or drunk that they would never do while they're sober. Their inhibitions are softened. And David wants to take advantage of this in his life, in Uriah's life, hoping that under the influence, Uriah would go home, have sex with his wife, and somehow hide the pregnancy. It's interesting, and let me show you something in Proverbs chapter 31, that later on, when Solomon's mom is writing to her son, she has something to say about alcohol. Notice with me Proverbs chapter 31 Pick up with me in verse 4. There's some disagreement on who Lemuel is. Some believe it's Solomon. Some believe it's someone, maybe a name that Bathsheba had. But considering it may be Solomon here in verse 4, Bathsheba will write to her son, It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not kings. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Why? Well, Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. 
Ephesians chapter 5. I believe that the extension of alcohol in our culture, the note has to be made that it expands to any legal drug that would corrupt your thinking. Any legal drug, prescribed or not, that would bring you under its influence, dropping your inhibitions, making you a different person, making you see the effect of the drug, causing you to see the world in a warped reality. Whether you're here in Colorado or some of the other states where marijuana is legal, has very similar effects. They're still not done And nor do I think we'll ever get the full effect now because it's such a moneymaker for our government where we get the full effect of true studies that show how dangerous it really is. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, we have insight now in Paul writing to the church and he simply tells us in verse 17, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord, Paul? Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or emptiness, but be rather filled with the Spirit. Let me read to you from the New Living Translation. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what God wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. If you like to write in your Bibles, circle the word filled and write next to it control because that's the essence of that word in the original language. The idea of being controlled by the substance. We'll often use the word drunk to describe just that, don't we? We'll, tell, we'll, we'll speak of someone that they are drunk with fame, where, where they're just so drunk with the idea of being famous and they're intoxicated by being famous. Or you, you might refer to someone being intoxicated by the attention or being intoxicated by how much money they have. The idea is that they're being controlled by it. It's changed them. It's changed them. And alcohol will change you. From the very first drink, your brain begins to change. And of course, when you multiply drinks, your, chain, your brain continues to change evermore. That's what David's doing. He recognizes alcohol can really wipe a person out. It's pretty clear from the Bible we're not to be drunk with wine. We could add as well, and I think it's important not to be high on pot or to be under the influence even of some uh, prescription-type drugs that, that are taking you out of reality. Paul says being drunk leads to dissipation or losing your senses or being out of control. You'll make mistakes You will sin under the influence. Instead, he says, if you want to be overcome by something, if you want to lose your natural senses, if you want to relax after a hard day at work, you want to wind down, here's the way to do it. Here's what you really need. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Rest in the Lord. Be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go back to Proverbs chapter 23. Lest I I have not convinced you yet. In a very permissive culture, some of what I'm sharing with you today would just be, there's just be, oh, you know, you're being old-fashioned. You know, you just, you don't understand the days in which we live. You don't understand I can handle it. And I'm certainly not getting into a debate with you on that. I have no desire to debate what you can handle, what you can't handle. I simply want you to know that it's far more beneficial for you to stay away from those things that will control you and take you away from the Lord. And it's much more beneficial to remain in the spirit, sober-minded, clear-headed. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? 
who has wounds without a cause, who has redness of eyes, those that linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look at the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you'll be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea. One like lies at the top of the mast saying, they've struck me, but I was not hurt. They've beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I wake that I might seek another drink? There's no power. There's no wisdom. There's no walking in the spirit while seeking to live a life that is not sober. You'll just make it harder. And that's what David's trying to do. He's trying to weaken Uriah's resolve. He's manipulating him. He is taking advantage of him. I think David is also putting a little pressure on him when he already knows he's a man of integrity. He already knows he doesn't want to party. He already knows. And yet David, I believe, is using his position in a way that is influencing Uriah. But even still, Uriah is a man of integrity because at the end of verse 13, it says, at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he still didn't go down to his house. Then, you would think, between verse 13 and 14 would be another good place for Psalm 51. He's gone through all of these sins so far, but he hasn't murdered anyone. Who would have thought that David would be a murderer? Isn't this the David who had a chance to completely wipe King Saul out in the cave? Who all of, his, all of the men, the, those, those men that were with him, uh, they come out, they become David's mighty men, but they're there thinking, hey, we can, I don't want to run anymore. I'm done. David, take him out. He's right there. And instead, David, in his integrity, instead of taking Saul, he cuts a little a corner of his robe off, and then he cries to Saul, I could have taken you, Saul, but you are God's anointed. That's the same David. And you think, man, how can a man go from such high integrity to such low standards to such bad decisions well you need to go back to our study last time it's the same path that speaks a warning to each one of us every you know when you look at some of the mighty men that have fallen they've all gone down the same path statistically those that study these types of things those that look into this those that that do the numbers would say that many of you, maybe even me as a pastor, would find myself in the same crazy, unbelievable, how did I get here, ruining my life and everyone else. And I don't know about you, but I, I made a decision a long time ago, I don't wanna be a statistic. I don't wanna be a headline on the newspaper. I don't wanna hurt my wife, my children, my church family. But I don't think for a moment that I'm above any temptation that would take me at the least weakest time or at the time where, man, I just don't want to mess around. Remember last time that girl picking up the snake and the snake bit her and said, you knew what I was when you picked me up. I don't want to mess around. I just want to stay far away. I have a past and I want to continue to get as far away from my past and the old Ed Anytime the old Ed rises, I want to crucify him. I would encourage you to do the same. Not for Ed, but for you. <laughs> so thankful many of you have never met the old Ed, but some of you have seen glimpses of him, and he's not, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to live in the past. Stay away from the stuff that will ruin you. If you just take it from me, 
if you just sat at my desk, if you just read my email, if you just heard the stories, if you just saw what it does, if you saw the tears, if you were just there in the jail room, you know, in the cell there, and they were just worshiping here last week, and you start to talk to them, and you go, what happened? What's going on? How can we? Man, you know, I was out, and it started with alcohol. It started with, a, with whatever, whatever they got into. It would do well if you were just able, if I had permission. You know, sometimes I do have permission. It's called testimony night. And you get to see a cleaned up version of some of the things that have happened because of really bad decisions. But a cleaned up version nonetheless gives glory to God for all the great things he has done. But I often, I see it before the cleaned up version, hoping, hoping beyond hope that God will intervene. Hoping beyond hope that this marriage will be saved. Hoping beyond hope that this addiction will be broken. Hoping beyond hope that they won't steal anymore. That they, like they'll just, man, not just believe in Jesus. Not just receive Jesus as Savior. But surrender your life as, his, as Jesus being your Lord. Like following him. It's just one thing to say, yes, I, I accept the free gift of salvation. That then to turn around and say, no, I don't just accept your free gift, but I am born again and you are my God. You own my life. I submit myself to you. And never, never will God give you permission to do the things he forbids. <laughs> Why? Because he loves you. And we go, like, oh man, I can't believe God's not letting me. No, no. He has these prohibitions in our lives because he does love us, not because he doesn't love us. He knows of anyone that knows the extreme effects of sin, dabbling in things, of going off just a little. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor and part of a study in 2 Samuel. Ed, I can't help but think someone listening right now is caught up in a particular sin, like David, and they're feeling like their life is ruined and there's no hope. Would you speak to that person right now? It's an interesting word that you use there, Larry, ruined, because it does touch on the effects of sin. I was thinking of the Bible teaching us that the wages of sin is death. But let me tell you, not all is ruined because the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if you are in something right now, I, I was emailing someone earlier today about, well, I just feel like it's because of this and it's because of that. And I, I'm under the bondage of soul ties and all that. I said, no, no. My answer was no. You're under the bondage of choosing to willfully sin. So repent. And let me tell you something. If you will, the Lord will meet you there. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be challenged. It's not going to come without a challenge. You you bought into the enemy's lie, but not all is lost. God is the God of the second chance and the third and the fourth. Come back to him. Please, please come back to him. There's even a, I taught a Bible study. If you go on our app or our website, calvaryco.church, I taught a study on the God of the second chances. Please listen to it. Come back, make the choice to forsake sin. Remember from where you have fallen, Jesus said. Repent, and then go back and repeat the first works. There's hope for you. You're not stuck. Come on back. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And friend, if this is a message that you'd like to hear again, there are a couple of options for you. Either go to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our church app. Search for Ed Taylor in your favorite app store. 
In Hebrews, we read that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, to say faith is important would be an understatement. It's the key to a successful Christian life. But what is faith? Where does it come from? How does it work? What does it accomplish? Those questions and more are uncovered in a book we'd like to recommend to you by Chuck Smith. It's titled, Faith. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of Faith. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE, and we can help you with that. That number again, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order the book through our online store at calvaryco.store. Please also remember, it's your financial support that helps us continue Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. We're constantly hearing great reports of what God is doing in our listeners' lives, and your support helps to make that possible. So, thank you. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, glad you've taken time out to study the Word with us. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace when we'll continue our series in 2 Samuel. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.